story of love, addiction, loss, grief, and recovery. Reflecting on Zachary Horton and others in our community, both, both inside, inside and outside of their addiction. addiction. Hosted by Jim Horton of the Zachary Horton Foundation. Hello, everyone. This is Jim, and I'm here today with uh, Kenny and John. Kenny and John are a couple friends of mine from the recovery community, and we're just going to have a discussion today. They're going to talk a lot about uh, about their recovery, how they met, what they're doing now, what's great. And, uh, yes, I'm looking forward to this. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. All right. All right, so let, let's just start with this right here. Tell me, uh, what you know what? Kenny, I'd love for you to reflect back, if you don't mind. When you first came in today, you reminded me that at a golf tournament last year, you had told me a story about when you first met Zach. And it was right when Zach's first experience going into um, medical detox. And, and that was just such a great, a great little snippet of, of information, if you don't mind sharing about what you learned about yourself that day. And, and uh, it certainly was great for me to re, you know, hear that and reflect back. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I went to my time recovery, and uh, I started in March of uh, 2019. And um, I, I couldn't really detox. I, I didn't know what to expect first time trying to, to get off of the drugs and the alcohol. Um, so in April was the first time I stayed, and the first housemate that I remember was Zachary. Wow. Yeah. It's... Um, I remember I finally, I would stay in my room for about the first four days. And then when I came out, there was this kid sitting on the couch uh, watching Z Nation. And uh, I just sat down, watched some of the, the show with him. And then uh, after a few days of watching episode after episode <laughs> after episode, I remember thinking like, man, I really want to watch some NASCAR right now. And uh, yeah, I was going through some some personal, you know, uh other personal struggles. I was going through a divorce and, um, my son was 19 and I was just sitting there looking at Zach, like, man, that's my son's age. And, um, some of the things I heard, you know, from my wife and my kids before I left, um, really made me like bite my tongue and think of other people for the first time. Mm. So I feel kind of like what I was sharing with you earlier with you and John. Um, that was the first time that, um, it, I reflect on it a lot. That was the first thing I learned in my mm. in my recovery was how to actually be there and, and do what someone else wanted. Mm. Uh, he was a joy to be around. Um, yeah. Very positive, very positive kid. Didn't say much when when we did talk. It was it was just pleasant, you know. And I I looked at him like I said, um, like wow, you know, I have an opportunity to treat people the way I should have been treating my kids well see i i love that story just because it 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 caused me to recall you know we watched a lot of the walking dead when they first came out in fact uh the the podcast is taped in the in zach's bedroom and so i still have some you see there's a daryl figurine up at the (laughs) up at the top (laughs) and so yeah yeah that was uh that was that was one of those fun things that we did together was we, you know, we, we would watch a, a lot of the zombie shows. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that's well. <laughs> well, Hey, uh, Kenny, you and John, 
met each other in in treatment, right? So talk about talk about how you met and kind of what things you had in common, how you got there, and where you're at now. Can I start on yeah, this one? Ahead. All right. Um, so at this time, I had just graduated uh, Touchstone uh, Recovery Center, and I was managing the colony sober living. And um, I heard that we were getting a kid. Uh, really, all, all they would say is we're, we're getting a kid. And the way I interpreted what they said was his family's done with them. And he, he's been going hard, and um, and pretty much I, I took it as, why are you going to give me someone that's only, the hospital will only keep him like six days or something like that. So he's coming he's coming to me, with my experience, a little little premature early for, for what he was doing. And uh, So, and, and back up just a little bit, because just a second ago, you had just got into treatment with Zach, but that was three and a half years ago. <laughs> Right when when uh, or no that was four about four years ago a little over four years ago when you were in treatment with Zach so now fast forward to a, a year ago when you met John you are now working in in the in the recovery community and managing a, a sober living a yeah. sober living home okay yeah. okay well, go ahead yeah. please and, and a lot of struggles in those four years. Oh, I want yeah. <laughs> a lot of learn, a lot of learning, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Like today, you know, my sobriety date's five twenty seven twenty two, and I started this journey in March of nineteen. Wow, so wow! It's um, but yeah, I got a chance to to meet this guy, and he came in a, a burst of energy, um, likable, big smile right out the gate, um, and and I held my guard up. Like I, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to just. I see so many people come and go that um, it hurts. So, I kept my guard up around him a little bit. He made his way in probably in the first week or two, and then uh, I started struggling. Um, more mental. Um, I knew drugs and alcohol wasn't a solution for me anymore, but I started having. I like to call them dark thoughts now. Um, that were suicidal ideations. Sure. And I felt like I could not tell anybody. Working in working in treatment and being surrounded by people that do, I was afraid that they would like put me away. So sure. I remember I did have a few uh, people I was reaching out to and I was telling them, you know, part of the, my story or what was going on, but not the whole thing. And um, I had a conversation with John maybe a month after I met him. And he finished my thoughts. Like, I didn't even tell him. And he was able to uh, to tell me what was going on inside of my head. Wow. And, and you, like, he said it better than I was even trying to tell someone. And, John, is that because you re- related so well? Or yeah, or um, just used to work in a carnival, <clears throat> so you can guess his weight, you can guess his <laughs> no. age? <You> can- <laughs> um, I think I related to Kenny a lot. Um we still do, you know, um, we have a lot of talks very often, you know, just how we're feeling, you know, what we're struggling with. And usually it's pretty, pretty dang close to the same thing. Um, but at the time, you know, just what, and to be honest to this day, I still don't remember what I said to him. Um, and to me, like that was just God, you know, like speaking through me to Kenny, you know, at that time, because obviously, you know, he wasn't having the best thoughts. Um, yeah, I was just, I was just, 
I could feel, you know, what he was, what he was saying and what he was feeling. And it's just, you know, thoughts that I definitely felt before and probably was even feeling at the time. Um, and it just, it just came out like, you know, so smoothly. And I didn't even know that it was like that big of a deal at the time, you know, like what I had said to him. Um, but he, you know, he's, he's relayed that to me afterwards a lot about how important that was. So Kenny, was it that John made you feel understood? What, what was it about, about those words? It's, um, it's almost just like, just like being an addict. Um, when we get together, we relate, we understand each other. Right. So in this situation, it was my first time like feeling uh, so low to where like drugs, I knew drugs and alcohol weren't a solution anymore. But I did. I still didn't want to feel or think what I was thinking, and um, and to know someone else had or knew what I was going through gave me a sense of relief that it wasn't just me and I wasn't alone. Right. So so and let's let's reflect on that just for a minute because I think a, a lot of people, including myself, think um, and 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 maybe even. Maybe even even for you. So l- let me just let me just talk about my experience. Let me I'll talk about Zach. Zach goes to treatment. He goes th- through the medical detox. He's there ten days, twelve days, whatever it is, and now all of a sudden he's you know put into outpatient because his insurance stops paying. Right, so they kick him out of the house, you know, they, and so now he's put into now he's put into a, a an outpatient you know scenario. But as a family, we're thinking, hey. Whew, man, he's cured. We found it. Got him. You know, he got he got taken care of. He got cleaned up, and now he's and now he's talking to someone. So I think then when inevitably a relapse came because we didn't know what to do. And there's a whole myriad of, of circumstances that that you know we can talk about later. Um, but I think we were surprised that that didn't fix it. And I think a lot of people are, you know, you know, Kenny, how could you be feeling down? It's like, God damn, son, you're, you're sober now, <laughs> right? Right. You're sober. You've got some time under you. How can that be a bad thing? How can you not? I, I mean, I, th- I think that's what people think and maybe not just them. Maybe that's what you thought too. Maybe that's what you thought. I mean, respond to that. Is that, is that accurate? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, I still kind of get like that, you know, I, I said something like that the other day to my parents, actually, cause I was just feeling super down and just, you know, just dealing with a lot of stuff lately, just internally and, you know, mentally, you know, and I just, just struggle with that thought, you know, of like, Hey, I'm 11 months sober. Like, you know, I got sober to get rid of all these things. Right. Right. But yet all of these things that I used to suppress with drugs, now they're all coming to the surface. Right. And, and, and that's what people don't get us that, and, and now I have heard this in meetings I've been to and people have been here, it's like that, you know, the, the drugs and alcohol, that was the solution. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the problem till it became the problem, but that was the solution to, to, to what I had. So, and, and if, especially those of, uh, those who were in the developmental years during their use, they never developed coping skills outside of using right. Drugs or drugs or alcohol. So, so that's the problem. You're still going to have, I mean, life is a life of, 
of challenges and roadblocks and stuff. And, and, you know, we'd said this when you first came in, you know, Hey, it's the struggles, right? That's where we grow is in the struggles. Yeah. Well, we grow in those struggles. If we, if we know how to, if we know how to cope with it, if we know how to, yeah. to use it, right. Yeah. If, if, if we don't, then it's just going to, then it's just going to tear us down. And I think that's what, so I, I just think that that's an awareness thing that, that I didn't get for a long time. And, and I think that that's something that, that people need to know. It's like, it doesn't necessarily get easier for a while. That doesn't mean life's not better, right? I get that, but but those but those struggles are, are still there. And knowing that, I think that's something that maybe for people newly in in sobriety, they need to hear that message: is that it's it's going to be hard, you know, and and it's that's just kind of the way the road is. We you've got to relearn, and that's what makes this a disease is that anyone going through any traumatic disease, it just doesn't go away. It's a gradual, often a gradual process, and it's a lot of work, and it's a, a lot of treatment that goes into it over weeks, months, years, right, until, until then there's you know, full recoveries, you know, so to speak. So anyway. Yeah, and if, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about that for a second. Um, you nailed it. It's um, you suppress your feelings using and it was a solution until it wasn't. And then learning those coping skills um, because I had none and, and trying to learn them and apply them on ultra like uh, strong feelings, like hyper, hypersensitive. So so to me, um, all the, the feelings that I were feel or I was feeling they're stronger than anything I've ever felt in my life. And now I'm using coping skills that are just not natural to me. So, yeah. And then, like you said, I'm sober. I had that same thought. I'm sober. I'm doing well. I'm doing probably the best I've ever done. Why is like the outside of my life not getting better faster? Yeah. You know, it doesn't look better. It, it, It felt better being sober, but that lasts for a little while got to do the work inside too and I wasn't doing it fast enough maybe or I just wasn't you know it's the first time I actually did start doing some of that work so it was uncomfortable but then meeting someone like John who got it absolutely right and I'm, I'm assuming that that's one of the things that's so um, just so advantageous about about going to meetings right and and I'm guessing I mean the, the meetings are part of it, but it's also having the, that community, right? Absolutely. Of people around that, 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 that get you. So it, it's like, I've heard this said, you know, the only thing you have to change is everything, right? So <laughs> it's all your, you know, so all your friends, right. And the people that you hang with, the things that you do and all those things are different, you know, in your sober life, but that gives you, that gives you that opportunity to grow into something, into something new. Yeah, definitely. Um, like the community for me, I know like when I first got here, it was such a relief um, to know, you know, that there's people around me that struggle with the same exact thing. Because when I was out there, I thought I was not the only one, but, you know, I didn't have anybody. I was hanging out with normal people, you know, pe- normies who, you know, weren't stuffing drugs into their system um, or just by myself, just just isolating. So it was, you know, definitely it was nice when I when I got to the rooms. um, first down in San Diego 
just to be around people, you know, who could just relate to me, you know, relate to how I was feeling, um, everything like that. That was, that was huge for me. And, and I think in, just for our listeners too, when, when you hear the term, the rooms, those are the, either the, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous rooms or the 12 step rooms, Narcotics Anonymous. We got Heroin's Anonymous and Cocaine's Anonymous now, uh, here in the Fresno area. And, uh, so that's what they, that's what they refer to. And, and, you know, here's the amazing thing. When I'm when I'm around and visit some of those programs, uh, the feeling, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, the feeling that I get is just such incredible support uh, from there. And it's something that doesn't really exist on the outside, too. The, the, the other term you used was normies. Those are th- those are people that are viewed by the recovery community that 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 they may they may use, and it doesn't have the same effect on them they use in a normal and I'll put that in quotations in yep. a normal way. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of us that wish that we had that same option and that same connection. And the thing that's different, cause there are a lot of people that do have groups that they attend. They may go to a, they may go to a Bible study, you know, they may go to church every week and have a church community they hang out with or, you know, for me, I had a golf group, you know, that I golfed with every week, right, that were, you know, my close buddies, you know. But the difference is, is that, is that the stories that I hear when I go to meeting, I don't sense a lot of judgment just because you guys have all been to that same place. So there's stuff I would never tell the guys that I golfed with of how I'm feeling or how I'm thinking because it would be, and I'm sure the thing is, I'm sure that many of them have dealt with some of those same things, but there's no way I'd say it out loud. Yeah. You know, the ridicule would be just too great. And I'm not saying that you don't ever feel, there still may be some judging that happens inside the rooms yeah, too, for sure. right? For sure. Right? But for the most part, though, that's the premise is that you come in here and you say whatever you want to say, and we're not here to judge you. We're just here to support you. That's the way it comes across from someone from the outside looking in. Nice. And that's a wonderful thing to ha- That's a wonderful thing to have. That's something that, you know, if I were king for a day, <laughs> that's what I would make happen. Yeah, definitely. So, so then, so, so let's continue. So that was Kenny's first introduction to you. What do you remember about meeting Kenny coming into the house? And and where where did you come from when you came? Yeah. Um, so I came from San Diego. Um, I moved there when I was around uh, eighteen years old, nineteen years old. Um, my dad got a job opportunity there and that's where I was born. That's where my parents were born. That's where they grew up. So we kind of just decided to go home and that was right after, I think a lot of the decision to moving to San Diego had to do with me. I was on fentanyl at the time. Oh my. And, um, they kind of just like, they isolated me in the house. They took away every contact to the outside world, took everything possible away, watching me at all times, basically, um, so that I didn't go out and, you know, use again. Um, and I detoxed in my house. Oh. Yeah. Um, so then we moved to San Diego and, um, you know. I, and just I, for anyone thinking that that's a good idea. Yeah. That's not a good idea. No. <laughs> it's not medically a good idea. It's no. not good for the for the psyche and the, uh, the, uh, the individual that's going through it. That is, that is incredibly dangerous. Yes. Anyway. Very dangerous. Um, 
Pro- probably a great experience as you look back on it now. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, yeah, and so, you know, I at the time I thought, like, definitely um, that this was my solution, right? Moving to San Diego, relocating, you know, it talks about it in, um, in the big book. Um, talks about relocation. Um, and I thought that was my solution to this whole thing, you know, that I could finally get out of my head. I could finally get rid of this thing, you know, that I've been dealing with. Um, and it just got worse when I got there. Um, you know, I, I found, I found drugs there faster than, you know, faster than anything. Um, started using harder than ever. I probably had like a month, two months off just because I couldn't find anything at first. Um, and I just took off running. So, so now let me ask, so addicted to fentanyl, which is so much stronger than heroin. So I know that the, the detox was just as brutal as, and, and I, I witnessed Zach come off op- opioids. He was lying to me at the time, so I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I thought, man, this is crazy. But it was the, I mean, it was, it was just three days of hell. Yeah. Uh, for him and, and for all of us, because I didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. Anyway. Um, but even with that, explain to people listening, why would you, now you're, now you've got it out of your system. So you're not dope sick anymore physically, right? So why would you go back and use again? You said you found drugs again. Why would you even think about that? Yeah. So, um, I didn't get on the, back on the fentanyl right away. What I did is I found my favorite drug of choice, which is cocaine. That was that was my downfall. That was that was what got me. That um, and uh, I knew some I knew some people down there in San Diego. Um, they introduced me to the plug, the drug dealer, um, and it was on from there. Like I, I, the first day I got the number, I had worked that day and I picked up before work and it was on. Um, and it didn't stop until I got here. Wow. So about two, three years of just straight use. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, so I ran with that. I went back to fentanyl a couple of times. I'd go down to Bakersfield cause I didn't know how to get it in, um, San Diego. I would go down to Bakersfield, pick up, go back home, you know, use, run out of fentanyl, you know, go back on Coke or whatever I could find in San Diego. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just a three year run of, um, getting kicked out of my house, living in hotels, um, sleeping in my car sometimes, um, you know, just chaos, you know, breaking my parents' hearts. When you're in the middle, when you're in the middle of that, John, do you, do you think, that you're really doing okay, it's not that bad? I mean, because you're still working part of that time, right? Because you're making money, all right? Or, or Yeah, I, I basically had a job the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So you're, so you, you're I guess, what we call a, a, a functioning addict, at least at some level. It, yeah, I wouldn't, I never <laughs> called, uh, I never called myself that um, because I wasn't, and I knew I wasn't functioning, but. So no. you had an awareness at that point. You weren't, you, you had stopped lying to yourself that, that, hey, everything's going to be okay. You were just, you were surviving at that point. I would survive and then get like an ounce of hope and maybe stop for like a couple weeks, you know what I mean? Or a week or whatever. And then, you know, 
I'd have a bad day and then I'm off on another, you yeah. know, yeah. six month run or whatever it is. Um, yeah, uh, it, I definitely wasn't functioning. I was able to, I was always able to get jobs. That was my thing. Anytime someone interviewed me, I got hired on the spot. So I was able, and then I worked at a restaurant. This is when it got really bad is when I worked at a restaurant movie theater in San Diego. Um, because everyone was, everyone was doing drugs, managers, yeah. staff, everyone, everyone sharing. So now you didn't other. even stand out. You didn't even stand out. No, I was just <laughs> another worker and I performed well on cocaine. Um, so, you know, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't look twice at me, you know, differently. They yeah. were, I was just, it was just another day at work. So you find your way up here to Fresno. Yeah. Um, so what had happened is my last, so the, my last day of doing drugs, um, I was kicked out of my house once again. I took everything that I had and went down to Bakersfield. So that's, that's where I would always run to. When I didn't have anywhere to go, I'd run to Bakersfield because I knew people there. And like I said, I didn't really hang out. My best friends to this day, they're normies. They, they didn't know half of what was happening with me in San Diego, you know, half of what I was going through, what, you know, how bad it was. So when I'd go down there, they let me stay at their house, you know, cause they just think, Hey, John's in town, you know, just happy to see you. Just happy mm-hmm. to see me. Um, and what had happened is this time it wasn't, I wasn't able to hide it. Um, it was very apparent, you know, that I was doing bad, that I was, um, you know, and so I got kicked out of, I went to one of my buddy's houses and, he has little sisters, little cousins that live with him, and I'm using in the house, in and out all night, um, and so he asked me to leave um, the next day, which I was like, wow, like, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, like, you know, this is this is getting bad, like, this is somebody that I'd always, I would always go to his house when I'd get kicked out in high school, you know, I was, he was always there for me, and this right. time, this was the first time where he had had enough, you know, he, he couldn't watch sit there and watch me, you know, just burn to the ground. Right. Um, and so I left and I went and picked up more drugs. Um, and I'm sitting in a parking lot in Bakersfield, not in the nicest part of town. And I'm laying in my car and my, I'm like basically out of gas. So my car is off. It's the sun's like beating down. It's summer, middle of summer. Um, well, what a pleasant picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who's been to Bakersfield in the summertime, oh, they know, <laughs> they, they know, they know. Yeah. in the middle of a parking lot, you got the heat baking up. It's just a nice ambient 138 degrees <laughs> in the vehicle. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just, I'm just laying there and I'm like, you know what? Like this is enough's enough. Like I, I got to get help. Um, the first time I got, let me just back up just for a second. The first time I got help was in San Diego. I went to a, a IOP program in, down in San Diego called Sober Life, which I did graduate from. Um, I stayed sober for about four months. Um, and I wasn't, I was there for my parents. I was there so I had a place to live um, right. when it came down to it. Um, I was given an ultimatum, you go get help or you can get out, you know. Um, and so I, that didn't last long. I wasn't working a program. I had a sponsor. I was going to meetings. Really, I was just hanging out with people in the program, you know, going to the beach, not, you know, not actually working right. a program. Um, and um, then then I relapsed again, and then that led to, to now when I'm in Bakersfield. Um, 
So I'm just sitting there, and um, there was one person I had left to be able to call, and that was my sister. Um, she was the only person that would pick up the phone, and she answered, and I just told her, I said, I need help. Like, you know, can, I, I'm literally not in the mind state right now to be able to get myself help. Um, just help me. And she started calling right away. Um, I got on the phone with uh, Laguna uh, Laguna Treatment Hospital, which is a rehab down in Southern California, um, Laguna Beach. And um, so I um, I started taking off over there, picked up more drugs, of course, because I'm going to go on a last run, right? And um, started going over there. I went, got to San... What I decided halfway there is I ran out of drugs. So, hey, I'm going to go pick up more in San Diego and then do a little last run before I get to rehab, right? And um, on the way to rehab, um, and, and and let me just say to the audience, this is something that, again, if you're a normie, you're listening to this, and this isn't making any sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you from all the stories I've heard, anybody, <laughs> anybody who's 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 walked that path, they get it a hundred percent. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's definitely, it's definitely Kenny's over here shaking his head so hard. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely insanity. Um, so on the way to, um, on the way to rehab, um, I started having, uh, like, my chest started hurting. Um, I'd been up for, like, probably three days straight. And um, so I pulled over, and at that point, a, um ambulance came and a, uh, ambulance came and then a sheriff pulled up because I was in my car. And so I got uh, charged with possession. Um, they let me go. And then I got taken to the hospital. Um, everything ended up, I was okay at the end of the day. Um, and then my, my dad and my brother picked me up from the hospital and took me to rehab. Um, I was there for five days and kind of like you were talking with Zach, I got kicked out for my insurance. So I was only there for five days, um, and they kicked me out. Um, so at this point, you know, when they tell me this, I'm like, I have nowhere to go right now. Like, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Um, you know, my parents, they're, they're done with me at this point, um, rightfully so. Um, so I called my sister again, and she called Nolan down at Touchstone Recovery Center. Um, and he said, bring him down, bring him here. Um, We've got a spot for him in the program, and we have a spot for him in our sober living house. Uh, shout out to Nolan. He's a good dude. Nolan. Yeah, shout out to Nolan and Lewis. Great dudes. Um, Absolutely. And so my dad picked me up, um, which I was I was surprised. Um, but I needed a way to meet my sister halfway because she's all the way here, and we're all the way in Southern California. So he met uh, her halfway around Bakersfield. And... Um, I got to uh, I got to Fresno, and the next day I uh, went into Touchstone for the first time, and I was overwhelmed. You know, I was I was scared. I was I was a scared little kid at the end of the day. That's that's really what I was when I got here because um, all I'd ever known was getting high, um, you know, suppressing those feelings like we were talking about earlier. Um, so I'm scared, and I walk into Touchstone, and it was the most welcoming place that I'd ever you know. I, it it was so. Uh, such a relief off my back, you know, getting here and getting to some place that's so welcoming and um, it was a blessing. And so I went to Touchstone for the first day and then afterwards I go to the Sober Living and I meet all the guys there. Um, 
Everyone was super welcoming also, like I said. And then I met Kenny that night. And we sat down for the first time, and he went over the rules. And to be honest with you, like, I thought Kenny, I, I liked Kenny, but I thought he was a little bit of a dick at first. <laughs> um, excuse my language. Uh, you know, he's just, that, that's just what I I'm thought. I'm sure not first. the first time he's heard that. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> and, um, but, but that also goes with, um, you know, something that, that um, Kenny and, and, just getting sober and the sober living has taught me is like, I, I didn't, I didn't like authority my whole life. I was always rebelling. I never wanted to listen to anybody. Um, it was always my way, my way or the highway. And if you're in my way, you know, I'll do anything to, to get to where I want to go. Um, and you know, this place has the colony. Um, it's a very special place. It'll always hold a special place in my heart. It has structure. Um, you know, everything that you need when you're coming off, you know, when you're coming out of that environment and, you know, I started using it 14. So I, I didn't have any coping skills. I had no life skills. Um, right. I didn't, I didn't have anything. Um, I came, you know, I came with the clothes off my back and that, that was about it. Um, so, you know, and as, as the weeks went on, you know, uh, that next weekend we went to the lake for the first time, me, him and, um, our buddy Derek, we went to the lake and I was like, all right, like, you know, this is, this is fun. Like, this is what life's supposed to be about. Right. Like eat right away. I was like, you know, like this and, and you know, I always knew like, um, I always knew that something was missing from my life. Obviously, like, you know, that's why I'm, that's why I'm ingesting all these drugs and everything to, to, you know, escape from reality. Um, and just these past 11 months, like been the best 11 months of my life, you know, regardless of, you know, I've, I've gone through a lot of stuff in this 11 months. Um, but it's just such, such an eye opener, you know, when you stop suppressing those feelings and you get to feel no matter what, what it is, you know, sad, mad, happy, like all those things. It's just such a blessing to be able to feel mm. again. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I just think that's the biggest blessing for me. Uh, dude, that's wonderful. Well, and and Kenny, you've had the the uh, the privilege of watching John's growth too yes. over this. I mean, along with you know, we started this we started this out at the beginning with you saying what an impact you know this new kid coming in had on you, yeah, right? Because because he got where you were at, and you guys somehow made a connection. But you've been able to see you know, he's described his growth, and you've got to see that happen Absolutely. all along the way. Yeah. Well, and you get to see that with not just him, but uh, with all the residents as they as they come in. And, and I mean, and let's be honest, they not everyone's as successful. You know, they're not all 100% success stories mm-hmm. immediately. That's just the reality of, of how it is. Yeah. But but I know that there's still always progress along that way, and that's all Absolutely. part of the journey. Yeah, um, especially like with John. It's um, like he, he shared about the lake. You know, that's what I like about the sober living and the community that we have. Um, we try and get people engaged and involved. We try and think outside the box, not just meetings, you know, not just going to group. And um, but you have to be willing to do those things. Um, you have to be willing to take a, take a risk. Um, and, and John did that. And so that encourages more risk. Like, let's go do more things. So the, the more people are engaged and want to participate, it kind of lights a fire under you. So 
and not only do, you know, I'm not going to take credit for all the ideas and all the things that we've done, but I will, I will tell my truth and I'm encouraged to continue to do them because of his success. You know, awesome. I can see success in other people before I can see it in myself. And I, I feel like that's another thing that, that we go through. You know, we see other people grow before we can see ourselves and having, having people, you know, in the journey with you, um, just like John and, and there's several other people that have lived with us that, that, um, I could say the same for, um, it's, uh, there's days I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to, to hit golf balls. I don't want to go to a meeting. I don't want to go to the lake, but we also know that when we say something, we need to be men of integrity and do it. So we, we usually plan our days in the morning and then by night, we don't want to do what, we, what we've what agreed to, but n- none of us want to let each other down either. You know? Well, you know, that accountability, uh, I, be- I belong to a leadership group. And so every, every morning, I, I make out a, a list of wins. I start with three wins I had the day before. That gets my day started off good because I can already I have some momentum of wins. So I text these out to my, you know, to, to my group of friends. And then I have three goals that I set on there for the day. Nice. And just like you're saying, dude, it's the same thing, you know. Man, I know I already wrote this out at five <laughs> this morning that these are the three things I was going to do, you know. I got to get off my ass and get it done. That's you know, right. when, you know when you when you slow down cuz inevitably it's going to happen, you know. Yeah. It's going to it's going to happen. It's just it's just encouraging. I've also learned not to beat myself up if for some reason I only make two of those goals, That's right? right? I don't hit all three <laughs> of them, right? I'm a I've learned to be a little kind with myself, but no, that's awesome. Well, and I think we have one of those events and activities coming up here in, uh, in just a few days, right? Next Tuesday. Yes, we do. Um, yeah, next Tuesday, um, the Zachary Horton foundation is, uh, sponsoring and supporting a, uh, memorial softball game. Uh, it's going to be at, uh, Bethany church, uh, next to North park. Um, and, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, good food, um, so it's, it's going to be red versus the blue team. Um, yeah, I guess that's, that's all I'm going to say about that is red versus the blue team. And, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. 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 It's going to be, it's going to be a hoot. We're going to have fun. And, and I was able to get just this giant box of all big finale fireworks from our fireworks. <laughs> oh, so we're going to, yeah, we're going to blow those off at the end of that. Let's go. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Well, these are, you know, Kenny, that's what you're talking about. These are some of the events and some of the things that, that people get to do now in sobriety and still have fun and they can right see yeah, what absolutely. that life is like. Yeah. It's without the events and, and something to look forward to. You can you can really find yourself just like getting stagnant, yeah. you know, pretty fast. Well, and John, I want to go back. You know, this was something that uh, Danielle and Roxanne focused on um, a, a few weeks back, and they talked about prior to relapses that they had experienced, and you used the same word of isolation, yeah, and how detrimental that is when you're feeling alone, and and you know, can you? kind of touched on that a little bit, you know, before too, before, you know, you met John and he understood what you were saying, but you were feeling a little isolated, not sure, you know, how to, how to reach out. And again, that's not just a, I don't think that's just an issue in recovery. I think that's an issue 
for people in life, period. Yeah. Right? We're, we're not, I, I think there are some families and there may even be some cultures that are, that are open and kind of warm and fuzzy and, and they, they invite that and, and you're not beat up for your mistakes or whatever, but you're encouraged through them. It's just none of the ones that I've been around, <laughs> but, right? You know, right. maybe TV dad, right? You know, it's something that you see on the Cosby show, you know, yeah. once upon a time, you know, but not, not, you know, that's, that's not it. So th- that's all a skill that we have to learn. Right. Uh, matter of fact, that story that I, that I told you how he helped me, we actually were having a one-on-one instead of a house meeting, just so I can kind of touch base with each um, housemate. And the first thing out of his mouth, it was, are you mad at me? And I said, why? He's like, I don't know. I just, you don't talk to me. And I was isolating to your wow. point. Wow. I was purposely not talking to my housemates because I knew what I was going through and I didn't want to project the negativity on them. Wow. And, and that just shows like that's the complete opposite. I'm trying to help them by keeping my stuff private. Right, right. And all I'm doing <laughs> is suffering. Yeah. A- and I was making him suffer at the same time because he thought I was mad at him. Right. It had nothing to do with him. Right. Yeah. So it was it was ironic. Just the whole not I can't say ironic. It was God. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, I was doing the best I could to keep the house, you know, pleasurable and not be the de- the downer, I guess. And at it was the opposite. I was, and he picked up on that and, and had the, the courage, I guess, to, to <laughs> call me out and ask me. Well, and that has to be a little challenging too. You're in a new place, right? Yeah. You're in a, I mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, that took some guts. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I kind of grew up in like a, um, a household of a lot of feelings, right? So everyone, everyone was really, um, outward of how they were feeling and when someone was feeling one way then that's how the whole house would feel right um so that's how it kind of you know that's how I kind of felt like you know almost like you know I didn't I didn't necessarily think that I did anything to Kenny you know but I could feel I could feel the you know the isolation and like the the um almost I guess you could say darkness you know like in you know around Kenny and like the house you know what I mean so I could just tell like something was off so that's just you know, I just asked him, I don't really have, I, I never have really had a problem with like, um, telling people how I feel, you know, or like expressing that. Right. Um, so, you know, that it was just, I just wanted to know, you know, like I, I didn't know that Kenny was going through all that, you know, um, I just, I just wanted to know what was going on. Uh, you know, in recovery, we, we count our days of sobriety. After that conversation with John, I was counting my days of happiness. Wow. And I was announcing it at meetings. Remember that? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It it was that. It was a 180. Wow. And and it took a group of people. You know, I would say three or four people. Um, Nolan and Lewis are are some of them. Um, Another guy named Ralph. They tried to help me, and they did to a certain level. That I feel like it kept me from going down. It kind of plateaued, and then John picked me back up. Wow! So, so tell me about your relationship now. Oh, with Kenny? Yeah, yeah. What do you? What's 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 life like now? Yeah. Um, well, I was I was uh, living in his sober living again recently, um, and now I just moved out again. But our relationship, I mean, I'd say we 
we at least text every day. You know, we send gratitude lists for each other. Um, you know, one thing I say is the the influence that Kenny's had on me. Um, not just in like a um, almost father figure way, but um, just the influence and kind of like he was saying about how I motivate him. It's the same way. Um, you know, I've never really met anybody like Kenny before, to be honest with you. Um, and I think we're just so similar in so many ways that it's just it's just like refreshing, you know, to talk to someone who has, you know, same ideas, um, you know, just the same. um, um how would I describe it? Um, I don't know, just joy, I would say. And and that wasn't always, you know, I've also seen Kenny grow, right? Um, I've, I've seen Kenny grow. I How much how much time did you have when I got here? Uh, two and a half months. Two and a half months. So, you know, we're, t- we're two and a half months. He's two and a, half and a half months, you know, ahead of me. So we've got to see each other grow through this whole process. Um, and uh, it's just been so... Um, you know, I, I, I wished, you know, that I could live in that house forever because I would. Um, it's just um, that house and Kenny, it's just like it will always hold a special place in my heart for sure. Um, yeah. You mentioned something just a minute ago that you, you do a gratitude list every day. Mm-hmm. To, to tell me about that. So <laughs> take the drugs and alcohol away, we're left with ourselves, right? And once, once life starts to get good or better, I feel like we forget, I forget um, what it was like, and I want more, kind of like where, how we were talking, it doesn't get, it doesn't look as good as it should, you know, right. um, so remembering, you know, what what am I grateful for today, so I say a little prayer, um, and I sit there, and whatever comes to my mind, of course, I have a, a few that I put down every day, but something as simple as a bed, you know, a sober living, um, people, people in my life that'll, that want to help me, um, and just jot down a few things. The gym is a huge, like, coping mechanism for me, so being able to go to the gym in this heat, the AC, a swimming pool, you know, <laughs> there, there was a time I was sleeping in my car as well, so I remember the first time I stretched my legs out in that sober living, I was so happy, like, just to have a bed and a pillow under my head, gym <laughs> like I felt like I made it you know um because my life was definitely not going the right direction and, and I, I I'll never forget how grateful I was to be able to actually put my legs straight and sleep like just something as simple as that so trying to remember that um sending them out to each other um spreading positivity so you guys text those yeah around yep. in yeah. the morning um for me, I'm a real, um, just honestly, I'm a real uh, glass half empty type of guy. Um, so it just reminds me, you know, every day to wake up and just be grateful, you know, for, you know, a lot of the things that we put down are little things, right? But to me, like in these past 11 months, the little things are the things that get me excited because I didn't get to enjoy those things before or be grateful for them. So now it's like, you know, every little thing like that I can think of that I'm grateful for, like just makes my day that much better. Um, yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. I think we'd all be better off if we reflected on, reflected on those things. Definitely, right. Yeah. And to do that every day, to start your day that way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so now, so we've talked a little bit about the the past and the present. 
what's in the future? Because I know the big model is one day at a time. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. But we reflect on the past, you know, and we've talked about the present. You know, how does the future look for Kenny and John? For us together? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you guys don't have to get married. You guys don't have to get married or anything. <laughs> no, no, no. Individually, yeah. just in your lives and... and uh, <laughs> I, for me, I, I honestly, I first uh, about John, um, I, I feel like he's like one of my good friends, but I also feel like he's my son. Um, I have that, that bond with him, and so does my wife. Um, so there's a special place there. Um, my, my future, wow, one day at a time, Jim. <laughs> um, well, let me ask you this. Does it feel... Does it feel bright? It does. It okay. does. And and so then if if you reflect back to, you know, or like for John, you know, what did future feel like, you know, when you were in the parking lot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't I didn't think I had one. Yeah. 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 I, and I think that's I think that's the, yeah. the you know, the, that's a point is just that and, and there are a lot of people even again that that aren't caught up in addiction. And it's like you get in a point, you know, we used to call it, the, you know, the rat race, you know, and you're just, you're just on this treadmill going over and over and over. And again, you forget the simple things like the gratitude or you forget those. And so, so you lose that hope, yeah. right? Because you don't think of anything being brighter ahead. And, and what I see when I, when I go into meetings, uh, uh, I see a, a lot of, I hear a lot of hope and I hear a lot of positivity because I hear people just continually just joyful about experiences that they're having that they weren't having last year or two years ago or even last week. Right. And so, so, but, but so I wonder how much do you allow yourself though to, how, how much do you allow yourself to, 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 to feel that and to, to look forward? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I, I look forward to, having, you know, being able to move out on my own again someday. But I also feel like I got to treatment wanting my life back and and everything about it, the the family, the houses, the friends. Like you said, the only thing that has to change is everything, and, and that's true. Like, I got here wanting everything back, and today I just want um, what I have today. And that's a relationship with my kids again. Um, I got to wake up this morning to two messages from both of my kids. Wow. Um, those things, like, that, I never paid attention to that before. I, I, I was entitled a relationship with my wife, my ex-wife, and my kids because I was the father and the husband. Today, I know that it's a blessing to have that. So I just don't want to mess that up. Like, at the end of the day, I feel like uh, my goals are to maintain that relationship and just be the guy that doesn't mess it up. Um, it's, I get a euphoric feeling even talking about it. You know, there was a time I focused on the broken relationships, and they stayed broken. Um, I remember I lost everything to except my relationship with my daughter, and I remember having the, the, the thought process changed and I said, I'm going to stop worrying about what I lost. And I'm going to, I'm going to think and be grateful for what I haven't lost. And I focused on that and I started getting those relationships back. Um, I don't want to trade those in. 
um, a, a relapse when it comes to drugs and alcohol. That that's not that's not my biggest problem today. It's the the relationship relapse, the spiritual relapse, the emotional relapse. Hmm. I can't handle that. It, it takes you to a very dark. It takes me to a very dark place, and where the shame and guilt, it's. I don't think I can make it. So, well, it sounds like as 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 long as you maintain the relationships you have, right, and that gratitude list that yeah. goes out every day, that's going to be a a huge protection against absolutely against that. Yep. John, what about you, man? What does the future look like for you? Man, um, you know, I'm only 23 years old, so I feel like. Um, I think a lot of my future depends on how hard I work this program, um, how hard I, how much I want it, you know, um, for me, like, you know, I'm not going to say everyone, but for me, I need this program. Um, it's, it's saved my life for sure. And I need to work the steps every single day, um, to continue, uh, to keep what I've, what I've worked so hard for, um, future plans. I don't really have any at the moment. I'm just kind of, you know, day by day, like we're saying, there you go. um, you know, I work full time right now. I'm still in a sober living, um, and, you know, I, I I do feel the future's bright for me. I just don't know what lies ahead yet, but, you know, I'm, I'm excited for my future, for sure. You know, and, and I don't think, uh, John, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So just because I asked the question, what does the future look like, doesn't mean that you have to have an answer. My yeah. wife and I were just talking today. I was looking for some office space, and, uh, and she said, oh, you remember, that's, that's where – that lady was we took we took Zach when he was a, a junior to talk to this lady about helping us, you know, find a a college, getting him ready for college and the college prep stuff. And you know, there's a whole process now that people can go to. And so, you know, so we took Zach and you know she was talking about how we needed to prepare for the SATs. And so you know we went and bought a bunch of books and you know we had all this plan. And you know the one thing we never did was we didn't ask Zach, yeah. you know what. Now, of course, he was he was heavy. I didn't know it at the time, but this is you know his his uh, uh, he was well on his path toward his towards his addiction. But he, but uh, again, what a what a huge lost opportunity just to let him uh, to or to at least have a conversation with him about what he wanted to do, and then maybe that would have opened up an opportunity if he saw me open to listen. You know that mm. we could have talked about other things. Yeah, you know, so not knowing. You know, you know, not n- knowing necessarily what it is exactly that 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 you want or where it's going to go. You know, you're working, you're working your program, and you're doing that. Man, you're right where you need to be right now. Yeah, and right now today. You know, like uh, recently, like I've just been okay with that. I've just I've just recently come like to terms with that. You know, feeling of like not knowing exactly what I want to do or what I'm going to do, and you know the older people in the meetings, they'd laugh at me, you know, when I, when I not like, you know, not like laughing at me, but laughing with me when I'd say like, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I feel like whatever. And they just laugh. Like, you don't need to know right now. Like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, and, and it'll follow. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, let me say it has been just an incredible pleasure having you here today and, and, just kind of talking. This was such a great conversation, and for, for, for again, people to to hear what what recovery 
looks like and feels like because people on the outside don't know you know they 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 don't have an idea and they need to see that you know uh, substance use disorder and the disease of addiction um, it's it's not it doesn't have to be a death sentence mm. right yeah. right there's a ton of, and I'm seeing so much positivity that's coming out of it. Now, untreated, I mean, we know where that ends up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? So, so, uh, but, but man, I'm so, when, when I see, you know, when I see you guys out just really living your best life, right? I mean, holy cow, it's just, it's just amazing. It's fun. It, it does my heart, it does my heart good to see that, you know. And here you say you're 23, John. So that's how old Zach would, would be right now, too. Mm-hmm. Is twenty three, and and I tell you what, every time you know had had that had that accident not happened, I truly believe that he would have been someone that would have been hanging out, you know, here with us, and he'd be someone going to the softball game, yes, you know, you know, next week, and and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Do one thing for me as as we as we sign off. I just want you to to. If there's one thing that you would like to say to someone listening today, whether it's someone that is thinking about recovery or whether it's a family that has loved ones that are are involved in their recovery journey, what what message would you give them? What do you want them to hear? For for myself, shame and guilt will kill me. Um, so if if someone's struggling with addiction. And and the shame and guilt part of it, um, it's you. Sh- it's not something to be shameful of. Um, you're not alone. You reach out to get help. Um, without reaching out, you you won't experience the things that we've been able to experience, and that's a community. So staying, the shame and guilt will keep you isolated. It'll break you away from your family, and it'll take you out. Thank you, Kenny. Mm-hmm. John. Yeah, um, man, for me, um, I would just say that, you know, life is good on the other side, um, and it is possible. You know, I, 11 and a half months ago, I didn't think that I'd be here today. You know, I didn't even think that I, I would make it this long, to be honest with you. And, you know, take the steps, reach out for help. And, and do the necessary, be willing to do anything and everything to, you know, get your sobriety and keep it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for, for coming out today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, everyone, like I always say, find someone today, reach out to them, tell them that you love them. This is Zach's dad. This has been an episode of Zach's Life. Thank you so much for listening. For more info on our foundation and for addiction resources, visit ZacharyHortonFoundation.org or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a story to tell and want to be a guest on our podcast, email me directly at jim at ZacharyHortonFoundation.org.